Hello and welcome to Everyday Sublime. This is your host, Josh Summers, and it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, you're about to listen to a Dharma talk I gave recently as part of the weekly classes that my partner Terry and I teach each week. Uh, we teach a meditation session on Mondays. We have two practices on, on Tuesday and Wednesday that are what we call our yin practice sublime. This is a kind of for us an emerging form of practice that integrates our collectively, I should say, integrates our collective 50 years of experience teaching yin yoga, movement-based practices, including yang yoga, qigong, as well as meditation, and my uh, experience as an acupuncturist. We're weaving together all those strands of practice into what we call the yin practice sublime. We kind of launched that this fall, this recent September, and um, we're very happy to share, and I'm not going to get I'm not going to blow my own horn too much here, but the feedback we've been getting has been great. Um, students are just noticing that their their energy is feeling better, their mood is feeling better, they're feeling more grounded, calmer, and part of that is the result of the vagal resets that we've been adding um, into our classes just as a, as early as last week. So if you're a member of the Sangha, check out some of those recent classes that Terry and I have given. And if you're not a member of the Sangha but would like to see the magic of those classes, consider joining the Sangha. There's a link for you in the show notes. We offer two weeks uh, free trial uh, subscription. And um, with, that, with that trial subscription and with your membership, you can also receive 50% off any of our yin yoga trainings. Um, and the one in particular that I want to mention is the new training we're offering this October, that's October 2023, uh, called Refining Metal, the Wisdom of Qi Cultivation. And this training is part two of our bigger yin yoga and qi cultivation training, um, which is a 100-hour program. We launched the first module of that, the first 20-hour module, last June, and um, the feedback on that was also quite good. We were very pleased. And again, not to blow my own horn too much, but we feel like it was probably the best training we've ever given, and uh, the feedback has, has reflected that. So if you're interested in how uh, yin yoga, qigong, acupuncture-based massage practices uh, and techniques combined with meditative uh, tools and meditative uh, practices, really energetic meditation practices, how all those combine together to harmonize and settle and, and um, really awaken the potential of our chi or our life force, then I encourage you to check out uh, that training, but also do uh, consider becoming a member of the Sangha. So there's links for all of that in the show notes. And the only thing I'll say is that stay tuned because I... Um, I've been very busy on the back end recording uh, almost two interviews. I think, no, it actually has been two interviews a week for the last several weeks, which means I have a stack of interviews to, to release soon. I'm planning to drop the first one next week, um, and I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback and, and hearing what you think about them. Uh, but these conversations are with some of my most revered and respected Dharma teachers and some of my uh, closest Dharma friends that I've, I've met throughout the years. So um, I'm really looking forward to sharing this, this series of uh, Dharma connections, Dharma discussions, Dharma reflections with you with some a real, I th in my opinion, uh, outstanding lineup of guests. Um, so stay tuned for that. 
And before I give you the talk, I just want to say that stay, if you stay till the end, and I hope you will, um, the talk's about 25 minutes, but at the 25 minute mark or thereabouts, I'll give you some guided meditation instructions. So I'll try to transpose the reflections of the talk into actual practice cues or themes to explore, as I suggest, in a creative improvisational way within a meditation sitting. Hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here's today's talk, Sharpening Knives. For this practice, uh, today's practice, I just want to offer a few reflections that in some ways I would frame more as uh, tips or technical tips to explore and to play with. Um, we're coming, Terry and I are very aware that seasonally speaking, we're transitioning from late summer <clears throat> into fall. And in New England and in Maine, where we live, the trees are just about are beginning to, to change their color. Um, and so we're very aware the air is getting cooler in the morning. Um, and in this transition, um, I'm, I feel aligned with the theme, this kind of the spiritual theme of the fall that is uh, spoken of within Chinese medicine, which is that this season and the element of the season, which is metal, is very strongly associated with the, the the spiritual faculty or the spiritual capacity for wisdom. And um, we're offering a training uh, in October, which is the second part of our qi cultivation program called Refining Metal. And um, I wanted to just speak a little bit about that title. Uh, what does What does metal have to do with our wisdom. And so one of the things to, to speak to is that um, in terms of cultivating our energy, we're, we're talking about what's in various traditions referred to as the subtle body. And subtle, just as its name implies, is, is not obvious. It's, it's a finer level of experience it's not as obvious, it's not as big or gross in terms of macro sensations. And for me, at least, uh, in the beginning, when I came to doing what are variously called energy energetic-based practices, I felt a little bit lost, uh, personally. I, I, I felt like whether if I took a Tai Chi course or a class or a Qigong class, I was sort of like, falling along with the leader. Um, but when I would reference and look into my own experience, I wasn't really sure what was happening or what I was meant to feel or um, what was what was going on even. <clears throat> and uh, in contrast, what I did like, what I did connect with was a style of yoga where um, there was, I could say, looking back, I, I connected with a style of yoga where there was some hunting, huffing and gruffing, or uh, is that the right phrase? <laughs> like, uh, just a, a lot of physical, uh, strong effort applied. So I was like straining in stretches and 
after I did these fairly physical-based, strong types of postures, I did feel a profound change in my energetic state. I felt very relaxed, um, at ease. And for a while, I would say it was only that big, active, physical practice that brought me into any kind of connection with something subtler going on within myself. And so I felt like that was my only way in. I felt like that was my only uh, doorway to uh, experiencing the subtle body or starting to, to appreciate the subtle impact on how a physical exercise impacts uh, that perception of subtle energy and also how that cultivation of subtle energy in turn influences and develops uh, one's perception, one's consciousness of what's happening. And as I reflected on that um, last week, I think it was last week's in my in my yin class, I mentioned that here in Maine, uh, one of my yogi jobs at home, Terry and I try to divvy up the the household tasks. Um, although since she's on the call, I have to acknowledge I think she carries more of the weight than I do at times, or a lot of the time. <laughs> um, but one of my household yogi jobs is to look after the knives and make sure that the knives are sharpened. And um, I've become aware that I've been slacking on that duty for several months. And whether um, I'm using the knives or she is, uh, it, it, it's clear that the, the knives have lost their sharp edge and required some help. So a few weeks ago, we went to a local kitchen shop and and picked up a fairly cheap but simple uh, knife sharpener that people at home can use it's it's you know not professional grade but uh, a tool that would would hopefully be good enough and on this particular uh, knife sharpener there were two uh, grooves uh, with two different uh, sharpening surfaces uh, to help restore the, the the health of the knife, there was a a groove for a coarse sharpening. So, if if it, as they said in the instructions, if the knife is really dull, you may have to pass the knife several times through this more coarse uh, coarse sharpening surface um, before it's ready for the finer uh, sharpening surface. And they said you might go back and forth multiple times before the the blade's sharpness is restored. And that was definitely the case and still is the case. I'm still working back and forth between them as I try to restore the uh, the sharp sharpness of some of our knives. But it got me thinking that that's not unlike um, aspects of our practice that um, I remember in yoga, B.K.S. Iyengar in one of his books describing the development of wisdom and the development of clarity of perception similar to sharpening a knife. And he said, now you have to remember that a, a sharp knife can be used in acts of violence. It can harm oneself. It can harm another. But the same sharp knife can be used to uh, cut a piece of fruit 
or a piece of food to bring nutrients to oneself. So the the use of the the sharpening of the knife itself is not obviously um, the totality of the path. That what I'm trying to say is the sharpening of our awareness needs to be uh, held within an ethical guideline or ethical framework so that the energy of this heightened awareness is channeled to good. Uh, as multiple people have noted that someone could be very mindful and use their sharp moment-to-moment mindfulness to rob a bank or to commit some sort of terrorist atrocity. Um, so present moment awareness in and of itself, it's very sharp and clear of what's happening, doesn't carry with it a uh, um, an, an, an inevitable moral uh, tone. It, it, it needs to be informed by a reflective and developed kind of moral sense. But that said, um, wisdom, as we've, we've explored here, can um, often be referred to as seeing things clearly, seeing things as they are. I'm sure many of you have heard a variation of that. And the phrase that I've come to really appreciate is that wisdom is also the understanding of how things arise, um, how things come together, how a particular action or a set of actions integrate or uh, how how an action uh, reverberates within a set of conditions and either leads to more wholesome, beneficial outcomes, or leads to less skillful, less uh, wholesome outcomes. So as we think about sharpening the the knife of our awareness, the knife of our attention, uh, which is what I um, am trying to speak to with this phrase, refining metal, we will be, I'm going to speak somewhat technically to give some just technical tips that I've picked up and integrated from various teachers over the years. Um, And my encouragement is to play with them, play with these ideas and see in your own experience, how does working with say something going on in your eyes or something going on with your cheek and mouth or something going on with your awareness of your breathing in your abdomen or how any of these integrate or work together but how do they promote or support um, increased sensitivity, increased uh, sensitivity to relationships in your experience, um, increased sensitivity to an ability to look clearly upon or into or from various thoughts, feelings, memories, emotions, plans that may be arising? And, um, and, and really that that's, this is it in a sense that as we become more refined in our ability to look and see and, and, and become sensitized to what's occurring, um, what I have found that is that within the practice, we become wiser within the practice itself. So within a practice uh, format like we'll be going through shortly but within the practice itself we become more refined around what we're doing or what we're not doing when do we lean in when do we pull back when do we open to something when do we turn away when do we 
embrace? When do we set aside? But the phrase I keep coming to is, when do we lean in? When do we lean back? When do we tighten up a little bit? When do we loosen? And in, in a certain sense, what I'm encouraging a reflection around is the, the quality of energy or what's in Buddhism referred to as wise energy, but I'm encouraging a sensitivity to refining our energy in practice so that we can see more and more. I came across a, um, a parable in uh, a book on Buddhism by the American monk Bhikkhu Bodhi, where he was talking about the three aspects of wisdom in the Eightfold Path. And the, just to quickly review, the Eightfold Path is a, a really an integrated uh, framework for how to cultivate compassion and wisdom in all areas of our life, whether it's our work, our actions, our speech, our relationship to ourself, our views, our intentions. There's a an, an integrated way of exploring compassion and the mitigation of suffering in the, the, the main broad areas of our life. And in the Eightfold Path, there's three factors or three domains of the path, namely wise energy, wise mindfulness, and wise stillness or wise samadhi. And these three together, energy, so the energy we bring to practice, the energy we bring to our life, the attention, the awareness, the mindfulness we bring to our life, and the, the steadiness or stillness of presence are referred collectively as the wisdom group. So these three factors, energy, mindfulness, and concentration, are seen as the, the wisdom triad or the wisdom trio of the Eightfold Path. And the parable that Bhikkhu Bodhi shares is he says, um, there's an old story in the, in, the, in, the early, in the early texts where three boys are walking by, I forget the kind of tree, but they're walking by a particular tree that has some high branches. And at the top of the branches, there are, there's this particularly beautiful flower. And the boys all, I'm, I'm embellishing here a little bit, but the boys all discuss amongst themselves and they say, I bet our mothers would really like those flowers on their, on their centerpiece at their table at home. We should, we should collect some of those flowers as a gesture of kindness and, and generosity for our mothers. But how do we reach them? They're at those, those flowers on the top of the tree are, are out of reach. And one of the boys says, hey, if I get down on my hands and knees, if I form, if I get into table pose that some people do in yoga class, if I get down a table pose on my hands and knees, one of you can stand on my back and reach up and grab those flowers. So that sounds like a good idea to them. And so one boy gets down, um, he's on his hands and knees. The other one's, another boy stands up on his back and he realizes, yes, he's able to reach closer to get the flowers, but his balance is a little unsteady. So standing on the, his friend's back, his, the one reaching up is getting closer to being able to grab the flowers, but um, his, his balance is unsteady, where, whereby 
the third boy standing nearby says, hang on, let me get a little closer and lean on me. So uh, that third boy comes in and the, the one reaching for the flowers is able to steady himself with one hand on the second boy there. And sure enough, he's able to grab the flowers and bring them down and they all can go home and distribute these gathered flowers uh, to their mothers. The mother part, the generosity part, the, the filial piety part, that's my embellishment. But the way that the commentary and way that Bhikkhu Bodhi explains the relationship, the way the three boys are coming together to work towards this goal of gathering the flowers, he he speaks to as the the wise relationship or the wise coming together of energy, mindfulness, and concentration. And the way uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi explains it, he says, the boy who gets down on his hands and knees into table position provides the foundation of energy so awareness can, can, can be, be, be based on that foundation of energy to reach and connect to something, um, namely the flower here, but to reach and connect with the experience to understand it, to, to connect with it clearly. So the, the, the foundation of wise energy uh, is what holds and allows our mind to connect with what's occurring. The experience that occurring would be the flower in this story, the flowers. But that foundation of wise energy needs to be steadied by uh, clear mindfulness. So the, the boy that comes in, that the, the one reaching for the flowers is able to lean against, that, that second boy that's helping out is analogous to mindfulness, to the steady, clear presence to what's occurring. And then the third boy, as Bhikkhu Bodhi explains, the third boy who's able now, sustained by wise energy, found like supported by energy, channeled by clear mindfulness, channeled by, by awareness of what's steady and present to what's occurring. The third boy represents concentration or samadhi, which is the ability of the awareness to connect with the object of awareness. To, to be sustained by energy and, and presence of mind to now connect fully with what um, is being held to be aware of or to be connected with. So concentration, what I'm trying to get here is sometimes concentration is a sense of like focusing hard or like a laser-like focus that tunes things out. But uh, in Buddhism, at least with the way that I've come to interpret it, the way many of my teachers have encouraged me to interpret it, concentration is has the function of connecting, connecting clearly. And when our energy and our awareness are, are supporting that function of connection, we can really meet the mark of where we're trying to connect, can, can, can strongly connect. So in talking about refining our awareness, refining um, uh, how we're paying attention in our meditation, I want to offer uh, a loose reflection around this to, to really consider as we practice, what is our energy like? To have this as sort of a, a question in the back of our mind as we're practicing, just to let our practice be held by a question like, how is my energy here? 
what am I, you know, is it, would it be helpful for me to, to maybe quote unquote, tighten up a little bit to, to, to lean in, or would it be more wise and helpful to soften, relax, lean back? I had a conversation, uh, which I'll be releasing in November, I think, because of the timing of a book release of the author. But when Oren J. Sofer and I were talking about uh, the Dharma recently on my podcast, I asked him, I said, "What, do you, in your opinion, what is one of the um, maybe, not errors, but what is one of the things that you wish Dharma teachers would emphasize a little bit more? something like that and and he said you know a lot of the first generation western teachers strongly emphasize relaxation and you've heard me parrot that in many ways you've heard me again and again particularly through a yin approach to meditation emphasize relaxation and receptivity and he said his in his opinion he said that's all fine it's it's important to have relaxation and and and, and receptivity but it's also important to have um, you know, a sharpness of attention, a, a real uh, refined clarity of perception that comes from the development of concentration. And he was feeling that concentration in itself or, or steadiness of presence was was a dynamic of practice that was in some sense undervalued or underemphasized in, in the con- contemporary Western culture of practice. So, in the in the interest of sharpening our minds, like sharpening a knife with a a, um, a knife sharpener, so that we can skillfully use our sharpened awareness to, in a sense, cut through the veils of delusion, confusion, misperception. Uh, I just want to bring us into a practice today, uh, where I will give you a few suggestions that I've appreciated over the years that ha- that really speak to this theme of working playfully with our energy. Uh, what's our energy like? Ch- checking in with the quality of our energy in our practice, the quality of energy and how that supports our mindfulness to channel our awareness in a particular way, channeling either at say an object that's determined like the belly, the abdomen, and the movement of breath in the abdomen or just channeling our awareness to be aware of sounds or thoughts that may be arising. And to begin to appreciate how when our energy and our awareness, our mindfulness are gathered, that a certain quality, a certain kind of stability or steadiness of attention uh, starts to become known. And namely, how, broadly speaking, non-ordinary states of unified connection start to occur or start to to unfold a state of feeling very well gathered very well charged in a sense of your energies not as fragmented not as dispersed but but held together drawn in together to be uh fully present you know to, to from a heart space to be very very present in a sincere way to what's occurring so that we can understand it, so we can see it and bring our full heart to connect with what's occurring. So um, on that theme, 
I think what I'll do is just let's come into a a sitting now. This is a shorter reflection. We'll come to a a talk where I'll give maybe five to 10 minutes of some guided reflection. And I'll let you sit for 20 minutes or so, and then we'll uh, talk shop about it. What was it like? What, What was helpful? What wasn't helpful? What did you do? Did And particularly, I'll be interested in hearing what sort of novelties and personal improvisations, personal adjustments that you brought to bear um, with these general instructions or suggestions. So, as we often will recommend, let yourself come to a comfortable seat. And this doesn't mean that the posture will always be comfortable or that you won't experience aches and tensions, say in the shoulders or neck. But we begin reasonably comfortable, not forcing the body into a posture that creates pain. And then because we're all in our own space, I just want to recommend as a opening suggestion, but I want to recommend that you all take some breaths where on the exhalation, you allow your voice to hum and send a very gentle hum, not a loud hum, but just a soft smooth hum into the chest torso and let the vibration of the hum relax your body some and bring in a sense of safety And now, as we move into the some of the suggestions for the practice of gathering our energy, gathering our awareness, supporting steadiness of presence, we will be, I will be giving the encouragement to gather one's awareness in the abdomen. But before we come there, before we shift our awareness down into the belly, 
I'd like you to bring your awareness first uh, very closely into the sensations of your face. And specifically in to feel in and around the eyes. To get a sense of where does it feel like the eyes are looking? Up or down? Straight ahead? Even though your eyes are closed. And from tuning into the directionality of the eyes. Reflecting for a few moments on the tension or the relaxation held in different parts of the eyes. Sensing how things are in the inner corners, the outer corners, the surface of the eye, the back of the eye. I didn't ask you to change anything or do anything with it other than notice what you're noticing. But I notice in myself that when I just bring my attention in this way, I immediately become aware of regions or parts of my eyes that feel tight or hardened. And in becoming aware of them, there's almost an instantaneous, spontaneous relaxation, loosening, so spend a few moments now just tuning into what it's like to invite relaxation into and around the eyes. And a phrase that I've heard that I like, that I think speaks nicely to this question of wise energy. What kind of energy are we gathering and channeling? But the phrase that, that I like is, particularly with the eyes, and then we'll explore it elsewhere, but the phrase touching not touching. So we can explore this with the, the eyelids themselves, the upper eyelids and the lower eyelids. What is required to sense that the eyelids themselves are touching and not touching, touching, not touching simultaneously. 
and in now refining awareness of the contact of the eyelids between themselves, refining awareness of the contact of the eyelids and the eyeballs themselves. See if you can feel a relaxation from the eyes as they soften. Feel how that may cascade or flow over the face, through the cheek, into the jaw, maybe even into the neck and throat. But as the eyes relax, it, it can be felt as a spreading loosening, energetic softening through the, throughout and through the whole face. And as you connect with that broader sense of relaxation through your face, the question of touching, not touching, may also be explored at the mouth, particularly the lips. How do you relax your jaw and tongue and mouth such that the felt sense of the lips is that they're touching, not touching? And as I ask that question, just notice, does the question itself refine your awareness of what is? Before we I give re re reflections on breathing and the, the, the element of air moving in the abdomen, once again, bring awareness a little more brightly into the area around the eyes. Sense your eyes again. Invite relaxation throughout the eye, 
both on both eyes. And feel what it's like if you were to, with your eyes closed, gaze upwards ever so slightly. So maybe 10, 20 degrees, shifting the gaze up. And from an upward gaze, I, when I do this, I feel a slight strain come into the eyeballs, tension. I, that feels unpleasant. So I'm personally going to shift my gaze down a little bit and compare. And when my gaze comes down, I feel a deeper widening of relaxation in the back of the eyes. As though when the eyes come down, it's almost as though they rest on very soft, muscular pillows of comfort. As the eyes settle down, gaze down slightly. There's a soft relaxation and comfort that comes both to the front, sides, and back of the eyes. So what I want to encourage is feeling how it is for you. How can you rest your eyes so they feel relaxed, soft, comfortable, And taking time to establish relaxation in the face in this way, this can really help discharge tension globally through the body. Start to invite releasing tension, releasing tightening, holding. So that the breathing dynamic takes a takes on a very natural, pleasant, flowing experience, becomes very flowing. And building on an instruction from last week, I want to continue to suggest that as you establish awareness in the body, 
feel how you can collaborate in support of a pleasant, relaxed experience of breathing. Encouragement last week, again, was to try to sense or to shift your awareness, letting it sink sink down into the abdomen, sensing the sensations of the breathing wave, the, the breathing balloon of swelling, contracting, expanding, releasing. Experiencing this from within itself. And with the same refinement of care brought to the eyes and the eyelids and the mouth and the lips, the same refinement there brought now to the dynamic of breathing in, breathing out. If your awareness is, is what is in contact with the sensations, what's it mean for your awareness to touch, not touch? To be connected without pushing or squeezing, but just collaborating with serving your body Whatever texture, whatever depth, whatever speed or volume of breath brings an immediate sense of comfort.
And just as I've been exploring, as I sharpen my knives, when I pass the blade through the sharpener, I want that pass to be a smooth, not so choppy, even pressured draw of the blade. And it doesn't do me any good to worry about previous passes of the blade. Whatever pass I'm with, that's the one that matters the most. In a similar way, whatever breath is here, this is the breath that matters the most. It's the only one here. Final remark that I'll give is these suggestions are not meant to be held tightly, meaning your awareness may, uh, or I should say your awareness will likely, like mine, move in all sorts of directions, coming back up to the face at times, going into thought for periods of time. How can you use your practice as a, a period of creative exploration, playful uh, practicing of intentions, And see over time how comfortable, how pleasant can the body and breath breathing become? What can you do with the raw materials of your energy, your awareness, your body right now? Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's talk, and I hope, as always, the, the reflections stir some exploration, and hopefully new discoveries in your own practice. Um, the, the themes of today's talk actually really, if I think about it more, they they really will, at least in my own experience, they, they really support the development of samadhi. So whether it's uh, the, the way of sensing the energetic movement of the breathing in the hara, or it's the positionality of the eyes, or a combination thereof, or just a, a different sense of the energy that comes from exploring practice this way. I hope it supports your access and experience of uh, a real nourishing stillness and calm within. And I just want to say that I think that is so important now, given all the really inflammatory conditions of the world, whether it's at the level of climate change, political breakdown, political dysfunction, malfunction, war, poverty, uh, classism, racism, whatever it is, there's a lot of soreness or dukkha in our collective uh, spaces. And um, the samadhi that I'm 
talking about doesn't deny or ignore those. It, it hopefully, in my opinion, uh, or the way I'm framing it, the samadhi helps uh, nourish and restore our spirit so that we're able to engage from a wholehearted position of care and compassion. That's the, that's the idea of the path. And some of my conversations with guests uh, are, are going to uh, further explore that theme, the relationship between our inner world and uh, our way of showing up in the world as a gesture or practice of service and compassion. So stay tuned. I'm really looking forward to the, the episodes to come this season. Thanks so much for listening. I hope to see you on the mat or over Zoom uh, for the Yin Practice Sublime. You can look again into the show notes for how you can join our Sangha and get two weeks free. But until next time, take good care, stay safe, keep practicing, and I look forward to seeing you soon. All my best. Thank you.